What is up, everyone? I'm Ryan from Fireside Knicks with my friend and co-host Dylan Backer. And, you know, following that game one win, you're riding high, you feel great. That game two was definitely a fall from grace. Um, that was not at all a pretty game to watch for the New York Knicks. Um, there's really no excuse for it. There's no way for us to sit here and rationalize what was a really bad performance. Um, but with that being said, we're going to get into everything to about today, uh, that game, everything about that, really that disaster. If you want to call it a game, it's, it's more of a disaster than a game. Um, but before you get into everything, Dylan, how are you doing today, my friend? Tell me a little bit about what you saw in game two. Right. So I'm doing good first off. And, you know, like you said, game one and game two, completely different outcomes, obviously. Game one, thrilling victory. And game two, pretty disappointing loss. I mean, Nothing really stood out in game two, if you want me to be honest. You know, we had, you know, a small lead early in the game, and then we gave it up and really never came close to even threatening that lead ever again, you know, after we lost it. You know, they were down double digits pretty much the entire game after that late first quarter. You know, they were down 20 at the half and never really even came close after that. Continuously stayed down by like 15, 16 points, and they ended up losing by 17 points. You know, just not a good game overall at all whatsoever. I mean, they shot the ball poorly. They shot 36% from the field and 24% from three which is just atrocious, and, you know, they also turned the ball over way too much. I think they had 17 turnovers and only 16 assists, so they had more turnovers than assists. I mean, that's that's brutal. They had just brutal. Nobody nobody really did well at all, you know. Julius Randle was the leading scorer with 22, but inefficiently. He went 8 of 20. Jalen Brunson had 20, but also inefficiently. He went like 5 of 17. Nothing really was good about that game. I'm just going to be honest, you know, like nothing really like wowed me with that if anything that was just a complete disappointment you know so and I remember in last episode I mentioned that the offense was what needed to you know improve for game two because even though we won game one it wasn't pretty offense they didn't do that in game two they took a complete step back it was not good offense whatsoever I mean quite frankly it's everything you didn't want to do for an offense on a basketball team you know they only scored 90 points I think that was like their second lowest mark the entire season I think their previous lowest mark was like a 70-point game early in November or something like that. So, I mean, this was just not a good game. This is a game that the Knicks kind of need to just, you know, put in the rearview mirror, focus on game three and four. You're heading back to the Garden. You're still in good shape. It's a 1-1 series. You know, you have the home court advantage the rest of the series, technically. So, with that being said, you know, focus on these next games coming up. Games three and four are huge games, and you have the edge because you're playing them at your home floor. So... You know, that's why I'm hoping they can just improve a lot of things in game three because there's quite a bit to work on in game three. You know, and Ryan, I kind of want your take on this. You know, what's like the biggest thing they kind of need to improve on in game three right out the gate? Uh, as you mentioned, it's the offense, right? They are not shot efficiently. They don't look very good in terms of their um, their three point shot that hasn't looked excellent. Their efficiency has not looked good. Um, you know, and, and the guy, the one guy I'm looking at who, you know, I feel like has been the big, you know, the biggest net negative so far has been RJ Barrett. What exactly are we getting from RJ right now? The first game we had played, played great defense, but the first two games of this series, he's been absolutely terrible. He's been, um, you know, to say bad offensively, I feel like he's an understudy. He's been atrocious offensively. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, there's no excuse for it. Like, you know, some guys just have off games. But, you know, if you're Tom Thibodeau, if you're the New York Knicks, right? How much longer can he be giving RJ Barrett minutes? Like, is he gonna? Is he? Are we using this series for him to figure it out? Because you know, you may not have another. You may not. You know, every every single game is for your life at this point, right? You know, you lose this series, your season is over, and this is a team that I feel like can beat the Cavs. So you know, 
we saw how we saw you know towards the end we saw Deuce McBride on the court, and I want to get you know your take on this. But you know, do you think the Knicks could go with more McBride minutes, kind of cut down some RJ minutes, throw in McBride a little bit more? Um, that might be something they do because he he didn't look too bad when guarding Garland, and that's something that the Knicks struggled heavily to do. Um, and getting a little more defense, um, you know, if you're not going to get offense, at least you're getting great defense there. Um, and also, if you look at the starting lineup, potentially moving. Um, Hart there, maybe you move Hart into the three spot, or you know, and you, and you have McBride and quickly run it together. Um, who knows? But man, they really have to do something about this about the rotations. What, what do you think? Right, something's got to be done about it because I mean, at this point, you can't keep burning out RJ if he's just going to keep playing the way he's been playing. You know, I'm not someone to write off a 22 year old kid. You know, obviously he's young; he has plenty of time to improve. This is the playoffs. We're not here to kind of see if you can figure it out or give you that development time. No, right now you have to play the best guys that are playing right now. And RJ Barrett is not one of those best guys that's playing right now, quite frankly. You know, like you said, he played good defense in game one, but game two, I mean, he was he just disappeared. I mean, I don't know, you know, quite frankly, everyone disappeared in game two. So, you know, obviously you may think it's unfair if I'm pointing the finger just at RJ. But RJ wasn't good in game one either offensively. And quite frankly, it's been a topsy-turvy season for him all year long. So, like, it when can you keep putting up with this you know like it's too incon it's consistently inconsistent which is a really bad thing you know you can't it's constantly just you know one game he'll look all right next game he just looks awful you know and, and yesterday you know every time he had the ball I mean he he just looked lost on the floor I mean I don't know what he was trying to do but he just did not look right whatsoever it looked like you know that's not the RJ we saw last year where he was you know way more aggressive you know attacking the basket drawing fouls all that He's not doing that, and he's struggling to, you know, get through guys like Darius Garland, who is a small point guard and not quite, you know, quite frankly, a mismatch for RJ. So you would think RJ would be able to attack that, but he's not able to even do that right now, you know, which is a problem. You know what I mean? Like, the Cavaliers have a good defense, yes, but their backcourt defense is one of their weakest links, and RJ couldn't even get through that. That's a concern. You know, RJ's, and like his, his three-point efficiency has been just, atrocious you know to be quite frankly I mean I, I can't remember the last time I saw him make a couple threes in a game you know I'm just being honest you know I'm not trying to be like super pessimistic about this you know obviously I'm hoping I'm still hoping he can turn it around you know the rest of the series but he's just not right right now and with the with it being the playoffs and now it's a 1-1 series you have to really start thinking like how much longer do we keep running out RJ when you have guys that are more impactful on that side, such as Quickly, Hart, you know, you mentioned McBride, you know, the possibility of having him play some defense at this point to kind of tighten it up a bit. You know, there's a lot of things you have to start wondering now, you know, you, it, there's, you know, obviously you don't want to start thinking about like the future with RJ during the playoffs. You don't want to get too deep into that. It's a question though that that has to come up. You know, it's definitely something that's been going on for quite a while. This isn't like anything new. You know, all season long we've been kind of questioning like, you know, where's RJ's fit on this team? You know, where does what is his role? How how well does he fit? Can he play with these guys? Can he coexist with them? We've been wondering that all year. I think right now we're starting to unfortunately see the answer that it might not be the case. You know, hopefully he can prove me wrong and you know go out game three and four have phenomenal games but my confidence level in him is is decreasing you know and quite frankly a lot of people are feeling the same way you know they love the kid he's a young kid they know what he can do he's a very talented basketball player you know that's not you know taking that down on him you know he was a third overall pick for a reason he was a very good player you know but right now things are just not clicking with him whatsoever and it's unfortunate to see, obviously, because, you know, I love RJ as much as the next guy. I have his jersey and everything. But 
it's just whatever's going on, it's not working. And, you know, I, I guess I have a question for you, Ryan, on this. You know, do you think they need to consider maybe starting starting Josh Hart? Because, I mean, Josh Hart's already been getting more minutes than RJ as it is. You know, and obviously maybe during the playoffs you don't want to always change what's been working. You know, we did that in 2021. We put Rose in at the starting point guard. You know, we ended up losing the three games. You know, you obviously don't want to mess things up too much in the playoffs. But if RJ's, you know, kind of hurting our offense this badly to where we're only scoring 90 points. Do you, do you think that's something the Knicks have to consider with, you know, maybe putting Hart in, in that lineup? Yeah, no, they. I, I think you have to put Josh Hart in the, in the starting lineup. Look, um, I, I get your, your point with uh, you don't want to mess with a lot, but um, it's not like the Knicks have had a successful series so far. Like, they won the first game, but they didn't play great basketball in that first game. The offense still didn't look great. Um, you know, end of the day, I, I think this team needs to go in a different direction with the starting lineup. Um, you know, it, it, this isn't even like you're moving. You know, I'd understand if we were moving, you know, okay, uh, should Brunt should, should quickly go from the bench to starting role? Because I think that would be a little bit much, right? You know, you're changing the guy who's been your best asset off the bench. You're the sixth man of the year, and you're now making them a starter. You know, that really hurts your bench scoring. But moving Josh Hart with RJ Barrett, I think that's just a fit thing. As you said, Josh Hart, you know, fits better with that starting lineup. RJ's been bad, but, you know, if you're going to play him with that second unit, there's a chance you can get a bunch of points there. The Cavs bench is not very good, so you feel like if RJ can get on one, if RJ Barrett can start rolling a little bit, he can go out there and he can get a lot of points, and that second unit's going to give him the opportunity to be aggressive and drive to the basket and not have to run into the Jared Allen and Evan Mobley duo that's going to be terrorizing you internally in the paint. But um, smarter basketball has to be played by R.J. Barrett. That has to happen. Um, I think he's capable of it. He's just got to play a little bit smarter. Um, and the guy I'm, I'm, I'm just – I need this guy to get more minutes. It's McBride. I, I've, I've, I think the Knicks are a better team with, with, with McBride on the court. Um, or in the rotation, excuse me, than with him off the rotation. Um, his defense is just that good. His offense is brutal. There's no other way to put it. His offense is brutal, but it, the Knicks as an offense are not nearly as the, – the Knicks as an offense don't lose nearly enough to say that he's unplayable. Just based on the on net rating, the, def, the defensive impact is greater than the offensive impact in a good way. Um, so I, I do think I want to see more McBride minutes, but end of the day, the heart for Barrett switch just feels like the natural one you can make in the starting lineup. What do you think? Right, and I don't disagree. I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter were talking about this yesterday, and I kind of agree with it. You know, it doesn't seem like Hart and Barrett can really mesh together on the court together. You know, it does, whatever it is, it's just not working. You know, one of them needs to have the ball, and one of them is trying to do one thing that the other's trying to do. I mean, they're both going for the same rebounds. You know, they're both trying to drive in. It's cluttering the paint. Nothing's happening out of it. You know, like you said, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley in there. You're not going to get much as it is. You kind of need to space the floor as much as you can to force those guys out of the paint and get them to actually guard you from the perimeter. If you're not threatening them at all from the perimeter, they're not going to waste their time guarding you out there. You know what I mean? They're just going to clog that paint and make sure you can't get those layups. And they'll, they'll take your chances on shooting the three because you're not hitting it right now. So... You know, I definitely agree. Maybe it's a fit thing. Maybe they need to put in Hart because he just fits better with the starting lineup. You know, like like I've said, it's tough adjusting something like that in the playoffs because it can easily backfire because it's like you're making a massive adjustment in the middle of a huge playoff series that can, you know, that determines the fate of your season, really. But it gets to a point where it might be necessary. You know, because like I said, it's been something we've been wondering all year with RJ. You know, even when Josh Hart came here, we've been saying, you know, should Josh Hart eventually, you know, start over RJ Barrett or even Quentin Grimes? You know, at this point, I think it's becoming clearer that Barrett's becoming the guy that might be the odd man out of that 
you know, in that conversation. It's unfortunate because I love, like I said, I love RJ. You know, and I've seen RJ have great games where he's shooting the three well, he's getting to the paint well, he's drawing fouls, he's finishing well. You know, from what I've seen, he's just everything's off you know he's missing layups he's missing threes he's not you know the defense you know was fine in game one but I mean you know it's not like insane defense this isn't like Hakeem Olajuwon defense or anything like that this is just you know it's it's good enough defense but the good enough defense and the awful offense does not balance out you know what I mean you need to if you're not scoring it's not going to work you know are just supposed to be the guy where you know Right now, he's obviously the third option on the team, but he was supposed to be someone that you can depend on to score 20 points a game, to get extra points when there's pressure on Brunson and Randall and when they're not scoring. He was supposed to be someone that could do that. Right now, you can't even trust him with that. You can't even trust Barrett with the ball right now because you don't know what he's going to do. You know, there's a lot, there's too many possessions that I've personally seen where Barrett will get the ball, you know, in the perimeter and kind of just stop and kind of freeze, try to size up his defender, you know, do a couple jab steps, try to go left or right. He gets stopped at, at the baseline and goes for a weird fadeaway finish that just doesn't come close to really going in. You know, it leads to defensive rebounds, leads to too many fast breaks for our opposing teams. I've seen that way too much. Stuff like that he needs to cut out of his game because that's stuff that gets you benched, to be quite honest with you. And there's a reason why Barrett didn't close game one, why he went with Grimes, why uh, Tom Thibodeau went with Grimes in the final three minutes of that game because Barrett started making those dumb decisions and it almost cost us the game. You know, and they had to make a rational decision to put in Grimes at the last minute and it ended up working, but you were hanging by a thread because of that. You know, so we can't have that continuously happen. You know, obviously last game was just a blowout. You know, we didn't have, we didn't really stand a chance. And I'm not, it's not all RJ's fault, obviously. It would be unfair if I pointed the finger at him, like I said, because quite frankly, everybody played awful in game two. Nobody played well really whatsoever. So if I just said, oh, it's all RJ, no, that's not fair. You know, that would be completely unfair of me to do. But he's definitely, it's definitely part of the problem. You know, if he's continuing to play like that, it's part of the issue. Because when guys are off like that, like Brunson and Randall, for example, when they are off like that, you're supposed to be able to lean on Barrett to kind of, you know, give you that insurance, give you the extra 20 points that you're missing out on, or give you the extra 25 points you're missing out on, you know, and get you good efficiency, keep you in a ball game. Because, I mean, we didn't stand a chance. Like I said, we were down 20 basically the entire second half. You know, things like that you have to have as a third option, and Barrett has not been that guy. It's unfortunate to see. I mean, I kind of just want your take on basically what I just said. What do you think about all that? Yeah, no, Barrett's playing at a rate that's unacceptable. But as you mentioned, you know, a lot of players in this series have not stepped up offensively. Obviously, it's not R.J. Barrett's fault only that the that the Knicks lost. You know, if you remove R.J. Barrett from the equation, the Knicks probably still don't win that game. Um, but it's not like he's helping them either. And you know, entering Game Three, we know that it's a bit. You know, this is a critical game. Nick, you're at home. You have to win this game. This is your game to win. Um, you know. I think the guy I'm looking for to step up is Emmanuel quickly. He has not had a great series. I feel like I know he's capable of going out there and putting up big points. Emmanuel quickly, I think, is going to make the difference here in Game Three. I think the Knicks are going to win that game. I think they, I think they'll win it 110 to 104. That is my prediction. I think Emmanuel quickly goes out there and he has a 20 plus point game. Tell me what your thoughts are for that on that and your thoughts for Game Three. Right. So. You know, obviously this episode's been very pessimistic because it was an awful loss. But, you know, now at the end of the day, we need to look forward to Game 3. It's a 1-1 series. We still have the advantage, so we got to look at it that way. You know, we have the home court, Game 3 at home. 
game four also at home. You know, we have a good chance to head back to Cleveland up three one because of that. So let's you know, let's take care of business and let's get that, shake off this bad loss, you know, shake off all that. And, you know, like you said, the guy I'm looking for, it's also quickly. You know, he hasn't had a good series, like you said. Hasn't shot the ball very well. I think he I think he got his first field goal of the series last night on like when we were down by like 20 already so I mean it kind of just didn't really mean much you know so I'm hoping now that he's heading back to the garden you know a place that he clearly loves to play at that he can kind of kick it up a notch you know get the crowd get the crowd going crazy you know get the getting the Cavaliers head a little bit you know kind of deepen up the the roster a bit here because quite frankly we've been leaning on Brunson and Randall quite a lot and Randall hasn't even been 100% so you know you kind of got to get these other guys to step up you know obviously Josh Hart did in game one but Josh Hart only had like five points yesterday he was hobbled you know I'll, I'll let it go he almost didn't play you know so I'm looking for quickly to do something you know quickly has been like I said he's been quiet this series I want him to come out and have a fantastic game I want him to you know I don't I'm not expecting 30 points out of him of course not it's the playoffs but I'm hoping I can get a good you know 15 to 20 points on very good efficiency you know and just play good defense like he always has you know that's that's stuff I want to see this the Emmanuel quickly that I saw in the regular season I want to see on Friday night when we, when we head back to the Garden and play the Cavaliers for Game 3. That's what I want to see, and I think if he can do that, we will have a good game. We can win that game. I think the Knicks can win that game. My final score prediction will be uh, Knicks 109, Cavaliers 105. You know, we have a four-point game. It'll be a dogfight game. I don't think it's going to be another blowout. I don't think the Knicks are going to, you know, I don't think the, the Knicks will let this haunt them back too much. I hope not, you know, and I also think they're going to, you know, try a lot harder, you know, be a little more physical. Because, you know, the Cavaliers have clearly shown that they're willing to be very physical. So, looking at that, I think this is going to be a dogfight of a game. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a thriller. You know, first playoff game in the Garden in two years. I think, you know, it'll be loud, electric. I think it'll be a great game. I'm really hoping it's a great game. I'm really hoping the Knicks can win this game. I'm really hoping they don't, you know, fall deeper into the dirt and lose again. You know, because if you go down 2-1, to one, then you start to panic a little bit. Right now, it's 1-1. It's essentially a best-of-five series up to this point. So, they just got to go out and do their thing and hopefully win this game and just do the right things they've been doing. You know, and quick, like I said, quickly has got to be that guy that can come off the bench and get you a bunch of points. That's my take on it. What do you think about that? Yeah, end of the day, um, the Knicks have to go out. They have to. They have to score early. Get it. Get it. Get an early lead. The Cavs are not a team that's going to go on a you know fifty point run again. We know this team that that this team's strength is their defense. We're talking about the Cavs, of course. Um, I again think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think the Knicks need to win this game, and I think they will. Um, but obviously, we'll wait and see. I mean, it's going to be an interesting game. It's obviously the biggest game of the year. Um, obviously, this game is going to. You know, this game could decide the series, so very excited for it. Um, but with that being said, if you guys want to join the conversation, let us know what you guys think ahead of Game 3. Huge matchup, massive game, as Dylan hinted at. First playoff game at Madison Square Garden in two years. First playoff game at Madison Square Garden, po really in the post-COVID kind of more normalized era of uh, sports attendance. So expect it to be rocking, expect it to be loud. And uh, of course, if you guys want to talk here and you guys want to discuss with us, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you guys know we're doing our next podcast. And, of course, you guys can check out our Twitter, Instagram, and our TikTok. If you guys listen to this on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, drop a five-star rating. And we will see you guys in the next video. Check up our Twitters. They're above our heads. Peace out.